The scripture reading tonight is from Revelation 19, verses 9 to 16. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must do, not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. All right. Good evening. <laughs> All right. I'm Cyril Chavis. Uh, I'm the R.U. of Pastor at Howard University. Uh, it's a joy to be here with you all again. Uh, it, it is a delight to worship with you all, and uh, it's an honor to be able to uh, spend this time in God's Word. So if you would, turn with me to Revelation chapter 19, like we just read. And, uh, and, and by the way, um, I actually last night actually thought about the fact that I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to preach this three times. I try to do the whole passage we just read. And I basically said highlight, delete to like half my sermon. So we're only going to do like verses six through ten, if that's all right. <laughs> um, all right. I'm flipping to Revelation chapter 19. All right. So we've talked about the coming reunion in the midst of division. We have talked about the coming victory in the midst of the enemy that is Satan. And we've talked about the coming judgment in the midst of injustice. And we've all throughout this series, we talked about weariness and how Jesus brings us joy in the midst of weariness. And this evening, I want to talk about the coming feast. I want to talk about the coming feast and how because of that reality, because at Jesus second coming, there will be a feast. We have joy in the here and now. 
So my main point for our time, this is the whole sermon. If you don't listen to anything else, this is it. Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception. So remain faithful. Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception. So remain faithful. I'll pray for us again, and then we'll dive in. Lord, thank you for this time where we can gather together and hear from you. Learn from you, know you. Lord, thank you for giving us your word by which you meet with us. By which you encourage us and build us up. Reprove us and correct us. Train us in righteousness. And Jesus, I ask that you would do just that. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me. Would you fall down in this place and fill this place? Would you inspire us to joy? Would you inspire us to endurance and faithfulness? And Lord, I pray I'll be faithful to your, to your word. I pray that you would give me the strength to explain it, to highlight it, to illuminate. Holy Spirit, would you, would you do that in this moment? Holy Spirit, I pray that you be at work and that you would move, that the hearts of your hearers might be opened. They might receive your word with faith and love. They would treasure it in their hearts, and they would not just be good hearers of your word. They would be good doers of your word. Christ, we love you. Amen. So for those of you who know me, know I love a good party. I love a good dinner party. Uh, I love the good food and drinks. I love the warm company and the people there. Uh, if y'all know me, I love laughing way too hard. I laugh deep from within my gut. Uh, I love dancing at parties. You know, I don't mind being the only person on the dance floor. I love dancing. And most of all, uh, I love when we come together to celebrate something really special. When we come to celebrate something special or someone special. And the agenda for the night, the only thing on the agenda is to rejoice, to have fun, to have joy. And some of the most expensive and glorious parties I've ever been to are wedding receptions. At a wedding reception, so I, you know, maybe you've been to one, maybe you have friends and family that have had one, or maybe you have had your own, and maybe you have a lot of memories, or maybe not, because usually wedding receptions are a blur. <laughs> but I have a lot of memories from, our, from uh, Janelle and I's wedding reception. I remember the people. I remember people traveled from all over to come and celebrate with us. We had people drive from Virginia down to Miss Jackson, Mississippi to celebrate with us. And, it, and, and weddings uh, receptions are amazing because it's one of the only times in life where everyone from all over comes to celebrate you and dance with you and eat good food with you. I love the food. Uh, I still am finding out all the, the different types of food we had at our wedding reception because I barely had any of it. Because I was so busy taking selfies and hanging out. Uh, but apparently the food at the wedding, my wedding reception was good. Um, and I love going to other people's wedding receptions because I can't wait to taste the food. I'm like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. I love it when you walk into a wedding reception and the food is already there and you can just dive right in. And one of my favorite parts about a wedding reception is the dance floor. I love to dance at wedding receptions. I'm always itching. I'm like, when are they going to open the dance floor? Is the dance floor open yet? Is it open yet? And at my uh, wedding reception, I said, you know what? We're, we're, we're not even going to wait for the dance floor to open up. As soon as we walk in, the dance floor is open. So we all just started dancing as soon as Janelle and I walked through the door. 
and it was amazing. My uncle DJ the wedding, and there's at one point where I walked into the room and I was just looking around, and literally like the whole room was like jumping up and down, like sweating, like I don't, I can't remember the song, but I was like, what is happening? Am I still at my wedding? <laughs> Uh, And most of all, I love what we are celebrating at wedding receptions. We're celebrating God taking two people and joining them into one. And not only is it two people coming together, but it's two families coming together. Two people who have never met each other before are eating together, laughing together, uh, celebrating together for the first time. Uh, Indeed, marrying Janelle was one of the happiest days of my life. I love dinner parties and I love celebrating. But you know what's the most difficult thing about parties is that they're not perfect. And I don't know about y'all, but when I go to a party, I have all these high expectations. I'm like, yes, this is going to be so awesome. And sometimes they're just not it. Sometimes the company is hard to bear, right? I know at wedding receptions, oftentimes there's drama. And when the reception is over, you're just like, "Woo, I'm just so glad all that is over. <laughs> and we can get on with our lives together and everyone can go home. Uh, sometimes the food runs out. And sometimes the chicken at the wedding reception is dry and you go home hungry. And it's like, oh, man, I got to go home and make a sandwich before I put my kids to bed. Uh, Sometimes dancing and laughter are hard to come by. Sometimes we're just too self-conscious. We're too too aware of all that's going on around us. And we can't really find the, 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 the way or the avenue to express our joy. And sometimes when we go to a party or, or a reception, we really don't even like the host. We're just going because we feel like we have to go. We're there to show our face and to, you know, give fake smiles and go home. And you know what's the worst part about a good party? Is that they have to end. Have you ever been on like a vacation or just have something good happen? And then as soon as you start enjoying it, there's like that little grief there that is like, oh man, this is not going to last forever. And I try not to do that because it's really annoying. I'm like, can I just enjoy this great moment? But there is a a grief there. there, There's a grieving there that every great moment will not last on this side of glory. Parties are not eternal. And don't get me wrong, a good party, a good celebration could put wind in our sails or being around people and celebrating is good and it can energize us and encourage us. But at the end of the day, we have to go back to a weary world. We live in a weary world and then we have moments of celebration uh, and then we go back to weariness. And here's the thing. I want to feast a party that is perfectly enjoyable with drama free company, mind blowing food, carefree dancing and gut wrenching laughter and no end time. And I want a, a, a feast with a perfect host who is easy to celebrate. And I want a party that keeps going and going. And then when it ends, there's an after party. And here's the thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus is hosting such a party. And this is what he's going to do when he comes to be with us. So like I said, the main point of our time is Jesus has invited us to a wedding reception. So remain faithful. In fact, Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception. So remain faithful. So let's briefly look at the text. So in verses 6 through 10, there's a call to celebrate because something amazing is happening. There's about to be a wedding feast. And let's look at the different pieces of this feast. So we see that in verse 7, there's an MC to the feast. The hype man for the wedding reception is an angel. And he gets on the mic and he says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. 
And the occasion for joy is that a marriage is happening. We are to celebrate. And why are we to rejoice about this marriage? There are several reasons. The first thing that we see is that there is a groom. We're to rejoice because there's a groom. And the, the, the text tells us that the groom is a lamb. Now, I know that Revelation is, you know, by now you realize that Revelation is a little weird. You're like, how can a groom be a lamb? You know what I mean? Like, just, just roll with Revelation is symbolic. But there's a lamb. And in the Bible, lambs were the, uh, uh, a, 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 a sacrificial atonement, meaning they were put to death on behalf of somebody else who deserved to die so that uh, they could be set free from the punishment for their sins. An atonement meant that uh, an atonement was a reparation for wrongs committed against God. And Revelation uses this lamb imagery, the sacrificial lamb, to refer to Jesus. Jesus is the lamb groom here, and he has made the wedding even possible because of his sacrifice. This wouldn't even be happening if Jesus wasn't the lamb. He died in order to make reparations for someone. And who did he die for? He died for the bride. We also see at this wedding reception, there is a bride. The bride is the other reason to rejoice. And so in the Bible, bride imagery is often used to refer to the church. Uh, so all throughout the Old Testament, uh, the bride, the church, uh, oftentimes was portrayed as someone who was married to God, but was sexually immoral and immature and therefore was not able to actually enjoy the, the relationship with God. But here, because of Jesus' sacrificial death, the bride has made herself ready for Jesus. And we see here uh, in the text in verse seven, it says the bride has made herself ready. How has the bride made herself ready? There's also a wedding dress in this passage. There is a wedding dress. It says in the text that the bride is dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. You know, what is bright linen, fine and bright linen and clean linen? What does that even look like? Oftentimes this was luxurious uh, linen. It, basically, th- th- this was a beautiful, gorgeous gown, uh, and oftentimes it was made out of Egyptian flax. And, and, and we are told that this, this, this outfit was shining, like the bride had an aura, that, 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 that the beauty was emanating off of the bride. And sometimes Revelation does us a solid, and it actually interprets the, the imagery. It tells us here in verse 8 that the, that the fine linens are the righteous acts of the saints. So the text tells us that the bride is dressed in righteous deeds. And it tells us, it's interesting, it says that the, the linens were given to the bride to put on. Now, given is passive. And we can only assume that these fine linens were given to the bride by Jesus. The sacrificial death of the lamb has made it possible for the bride to wear these righteous deeds. The, the righteousness of, of, of the church is given and is, and, and, and is manifested by God himself. He is the one who is initiating it all. Not only that, but there's an invite list. Uh, now, I know, like, like, again, Revelation is a little weird. Sometimes it, like, mixes symbols, and, and, you know, it's, like, weird for us who are, like, linear and, like, propositional clear thinkers, but it's just, like, just roll with Revelation. But it says not only is the bride the church, but the, the guest list, the people who are invited are the church. And the, and, and the MC, the angel MC says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. It says, greatly happy are those. They have a reason to celebrate. 
And the invite list implies that there's also an invite. The Bible oftentimes portrays the kingdom of God as a big feast, as a king who hosts a feast and invites everyone to come and feast and celebrate and rejoice. And this is, is a really a summary of the gospel. There are many ways we, we can summarize the gospel. We can summarize the gospel, the good news about Jesus as an invitation to feast with him, as an invitation to party with him. So y'all check out this party that the book of Revelation kind of like draws out to us. The people are amazing. The food is glorious. And I don't know if there's a dance floor. I hope there's a dance floor. But certainly everyone is out of their minds with joy. And last but not least, the celebration is breathtaking because God himself has brought his people. He has come for his people and he has brought them out of persecution and sin and suffering and struggle to behold his glory and to enjoy fellowship with himself. Y'all don't know about you, but I want to be at this party. And, and, and doesn't it sound kind of like it sounds too good to be true? It's like, you know, it, it, it almost sounds like a fairy tale. It's like, God, is it really going to be a party? And the Bible tells us that, yes, God, he is planning on renovating this whole world, making it new in the, in, 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 in the opening ceremonies of this new creation will be a literal, actual, physical feast. Oftentimes when we think of heaven or like eternity, we think of like we'll be floating like spiritual beings, you know, like strumming on harps. But the Bible says, no, you will be eating food. Like you will be rejoicing with Jesus bodily, face to face. There will be, you will be with the saints rejoicing. This is partly what Advent is about, the coming celebration, the coming joy. The party is real. The party is perfect. Is God's party. And guess what? You're invited. In this party, there'll be no more drama or toxic relationships because everyone is clothed with the righteous deeds. In this party, there'll be no more slander because everyone will be too busy praising God and talking about their unspeakable joy. Isaiah 25 tells us that the food is, is, is rich, that the meat, the bone is, is, is filled with marrow and there's well-aged wine that will never run out. Uh, the, 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 the celebration is perfect. I'm sure we'll be dancing before God. There's no more tears because God will wipe them away. He wipes away the tears because there's no more reason to be sad. There's no more reason to be depressed here. There's no more reason to be anxious there because there is no more danger. There is no more exhaustion or sleep or laying around in the bed because there will, guess what, be no more nighttime. God himself will be the light and Jesus will, will, will light the whole deal. The host is perfect. The book of Revelation tells us that there will be no more loneliness because we will have perfect communion with God and his people. There will be no more longing with, for God because you will literally see him face to face in his unadulterated, like, like unmediated presence. In this party, there will be no more injustice because the king of justice himself is the host. And the length of the party is perfect. The party is, you know, if there was an invite card and it said from when to when, it would be from when Jesus comes to eternity. 
I don't know what eternity is like. I don't know if like there's like succession of time. I don't know if the party will ever end. But if it did end, there would always be an after party because eternity is one giant celebration. And nothing can ever ruin this party. No one can crash it. Why? Because like we talked about last week, the coming judgment guarantees that nothing evil, no injustice, no bad thing, no death, no sin could ever spoil it. Saints, this is an encouragement to us in our weariness right here, right now. Like, have you ever been doing something and you're like, you know what? I can press a little longer because you know what? The end is near. I can keep going. There's only a few more seconds. It's actually funny. This is random. I was actually doing a wall sit challenge with a friend of mine and, and, and they did a wall sit and I was like, okay, I have to submit my time for the wall sit. And I was like, you know what? I don't know how long they did the wall sit, but I'm going to try and go as long as I could. I did two minutes and four seconds and they did two minutes and seven seconds. I said, you know what? If I knew what time they, they, they did, I would have pressed on a little bit longer. Right. <laughs> it's like that. If Christians, if we know what's coming, we'll just press on a little bit longer. We cannot give up because there is something amazing waiting for us. And the hope of this puts wind in ourselves in the here and now. So Christian, let this coming feast motivate you to be faithful to Jesus right now, to keep going, to keep pressing. I know it's hard. Life is hard, period. And then walking with Jesus is hard. Jesus guarantees that we will suffer because we live a countercultural life. We, we, we will rub up against the world. But keep going because your labor is not in vain. Keep dressing yourself with the righteous deeds of the saints. Let's keep preparing ourselves for Jesus. Why? Because it's worth it. Like the Apostle Paul says, there's an unspeakable weight of glory compared with the light momentary afflictions that are facing us now. In those moments when you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, find ways to remind yourself of the coming feast. And I was thinking, you know, what, what are some tangible ways we can do this? What, 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 what better way than to actually throw great parties to invite people to come and celebrate Jesus with us? What would it look like, you know, and, and as I was writing this, I was like kind of cringing because, you know, th- this is really convicting me. What would it look like to throw a good party twice a year? You know, I, mean, you know, I know for me, I'm like, I, I'm always trying to go and do the bigger and better thing, trying to cram my life full with stuff, trying to produce, 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 trying to work harder and harder, harder. And I don't even have margin to actually celebrate all the amazing things that are happening around me. I, you know, if you know me, I'm the type of person who doesn't even like to eat. I actually haven't really eaten today. That's sad. I'm preaching on feasting all day today. I, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I get irritated that humans have to eat three meals a day. Like why so many a day? And this passage convicts me. What would it look like to develop enough margin in our lives to actually feast and invite people? And this is how this could be a beautiful way we do evangelism. We throw good parties and we invite our non-Christian coworkers and our non-Christian neighbors. And they ask, why are you throwing this party? And you say, you know, why I'm throwing this party because Jesus is throwing a party for me in the future. And I want to ha- and I want to remind myself of that. And I want to remind you of that. What would that look like? But you may be thinking, you know what? I'm just too weary. I don't even want to think about throwing parties. I don't even want to think about continuing to persevere and remaining faithful to Jesus. I just kind of want to continue to cope. 
continue to lick my wounds and just take it day by day. Maybe you might actually be thinking, you know what? I don't even care that I'm invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. That just feels too far off. It doesn't feel like it can bleed into the here and now. And family, Jesus knows that we are weary Christians who are in need of strength day by day, who are in need of his empowering grace day by day. Like, just imagine with me, what would it be like to be at this feast, to be at this future feast that Jesus hosts and, and, and to ask the different people there what put wind in their sails to make it to the end of, of, of the age? I imagine if we were sitting there and we were sitting next to Adam and Eve and I just like leaned over to Adam and Eve. I was like, hey, what's up, y'all? Like, how did you get the strength to make it here? And I imagine they would tell us that they were weary from their own sin. They were at the feast of the Garden of Eden and they ate the wrong entree. They had just sinned against God and they were trying to make their own fine linens to cover their shame. But Jesus at the dinner party of Eden gave Adam and Eve clothes to cover their shame. He gave them animal skins. But family, Jesus brings you something better than the animal skins of Adam and Eve. He brings you his very own righteousness to wear. If you have Jesus right now, Jesus is your fine linens. We will wear perfect ones in the future. But right now, Jesus himself strengthens you by pardoning you and accepting you and walking with you. I imagine if we were at this feast and we and we leaned uh, uh, over to the other side and we asked Moses, Moses, how did you make it to the end of the feast? And I imagine he might tell us about how Israel was a newly formed people and how they were just delivered from Egypt. And, 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 and he will talk about how Exodus 24 tells us that they had a feast on the mountain of God. They had the dinner banquet of Sinai. And in Exodus 24, Jesus, their redeemer, invited Moses, the priests and the elders to feast with God on this mountain. But Jesus brings you something better than the dinner party of Mount Sinai. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, no, you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Right here, right now, as we are meeting with Jesus in the heavenly realms, angels and the saints who have gone before us are right now celebrating and rejoicing. And we are pressing to to actually join them. But right here, right now, Jesus is the perfect host and invites you to celebrate. I imagine maybe if we walked over to another part of, of, of the glorious room and that day we would ask David, King David, how he was strengthened. He would tell us how he was weary from having the Ark of the Covenant, not in Jerusalem, having the presence of God, not where he was reigning. And he would talk about how he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that David got so happy that David danced before the Lord with all of his might because the presence of God would be with him. But family, Jesus right here, right now brings you something better than the Ark of the Covenant. He brings you to the heavenly throne of grace itself by the power of his blood and his spirit. And how much more should we dance before the throne of Jesus with all of our might? Jesus gives us a taste of the dance floor here. Now, Jesus is your true and better dance floor. If we ask Mary how she was strengthened, I imagine that she would talk about the wedding of Cana and about how she was worried that everyone would be embarrassed because the wedding party would would run out of wine and people would find out that the bride and the groom didn't have enough money to pay the bills. But Jesus covered the cost and paid the bill for the wedding reception by turning water into wine. 
And he saved the couple from embarrassment and he kept the party going and going and going. But you see, Jesus brings you something better than just covering the bill of a party. Now, I know some of us might have went into debt for our receptions and ran our credit card way up too high. But Jesus himself doesn't make us do that for his own wedding reception. You see, Jesus doesn't pay the bill for his own wedding reception with silver or gold, but he has paid for it with his very own precious blood. And he gives you a taste, a foreshadow of his redeeming power right here, right now. His sacrificial death right now is here for you. And imagine lastly, if we ask the disciples how they were strengthened, I imagine they might talk about that night they were with Jesus before he died. When they had that last supper, that last dinner party with Jesus. And they probably didn't even know that they were entering into a time of weary tribulation They probably didn't fully understand that their savior would be captured and murdered. But Jesus had a last meal with them and he told them to remember his broken body by eating bread and remember his spilled blood by drinking wine. But family, Jesus brings you something better than the Passover meal that the disciples ate as they were looking forward to Jesus' death. You see, as we eat this same meal every Sunday here and now, we eat this same meal looking back on Jesus' death. And we eat this meal looking forward to the future feasts that will come. Right here, right now, is what you need to strengthen yourself, weary Christian, to make it to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Jesus says, every week I want you to feast to remind yourself of the future feast. And as we come here, Jesus is strengthening us. I imagine, you know, in in, in Revelation chapter two and three is really the summary of the whole book of Revelation. Jesus goes to the seven churches uh, of, of, of Asia Minor. And he gives them a message. He says, you know, write to the angel of the, of, of, of the church in Ephesus. And he gives them a message. And he gives them a future vision of what is going to happen as a way of encouraging them to remain faithful. And I imagine, you know, what would Jesus say if he wrote a letter to Grace Downtown? He would say, you know, John, uh, write to the angel of the, uh, of, of the Grace Downtown church and tell them, to those who conquer, I, I know you're weary, but keep going. I know you are tired, but keep pressing to the one who conquers, to the one who remains faithful. I will grant them to eat with me in the wedding feast of the lamb. I will grant them to place on the fine linens that I have purchased for them and they will dine with me and celebrate with me forever. To the one who has ears, let them hear. Amen. Would you all pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time where we can rejoice with you. Lord, we thank you that you have given us ample reason to rejoice day by day. The angel said, everyone rejoice and celebrate because the marriage feast of the lamb has come. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us the strength to celebrate that now. I pray that that coming reality would shape and compel and mold and saturate every day of our lives. That the coming feast, your coming, would give us hope. That they would make the suffering feel a little lighter. They would make the sacrifice as we practice righteousness feel like it's not really a sacrifice at all. 
Lord, I pray that it would encourage us to pursue rejoicing in small ways right here, right now. Jesus, whatever people are going through as they're here today, Lord, I pray that they would remain faithful to you. They wouldn't lose hope. They wouldn't give up on you. Lord, I pray that you would find ways to remind us of how amazing you are, how awesome you are, and how you yourself are the goal to our lives. Lord, we love you. Amen.